You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. So at one point, the Jets were going to have to make the tough decision as to when they would play Zach Wilson despite the knee injury. How much do you risk further injury? How much do you need to let him rest? And now we're getting not expected until at least week four. Some interesting stuff going on with the Jets. Also, a tear-jerking end to a legendary career last night. We're going to get into that and Fitz's aces on their way to the finals. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's start with the Jets quickly, Fitz, because, you know, this Zach Wilson thing obviously could have been worse. And the more, you know, you think about it, you can talk yourself into you know, just looking on the bright side of, you know, not being out a whole season or anything like that. But, man, being out until at least week four, the only thing worth anything when it comes to the Jets this season, in my opinion, is what does Zach Wilson look like and who you got and he's your guy. And that's delayed. That You're a thousand percent right. Like the Jets, to me, for all of the conversations some people are having about what they could or couldn't be this season, I think the Jets end up as the worst team in the NFL. But I really don't care if the Jets end up as the worst team in the NFL if in the process they find out they've got their quarterback of the future. That's the most important thing they have to know before they get to next year's draft. Now we go from a situation where it felt like everybody was saying it's no big deal to at least week four. And then when he comes back, does he come back 100%? Uh, Are we presuming that we're getting everything from Zach Wilson? How long is it going to take him to knock the rust off? All of these questions that frankly just make it more difficult to analyze whether or not you've got the right guy behind center. And when you talk about this massive leap that a kid's taken going from BYU to New York, reps are so important. I just This sets the entire process of evaluation back, and that's the worst-case scenario for the Jets. Winning six games, like they're not getting in the playoffs, so winning six games is irrelevant. Having Zach Wilson step up and show out is everything, and now it makes it curious on whether he'll be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, it's going to be Joe Flacco getting the start and getting the reps. He's elite. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he hasn't started a season opener since 2019. That was his uh, one and only season with the Broncos. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's disappointing. I feel like the Jets and Bears are in similar situations, which is a very depressing thing to say. But, like, <laughs> the only thing I it, – it's I'm excited for this season. I'm going to watch every game. I'm going to be thrilled to watch every game, no matter how bad we are, because I need to see – Justin Fields. And and that's it. I need him to be healthy, and I need him to take a bunch of steps forward, and I need to know that he's our guy. And I, I feel for Jets fans that, that Zach Wilson and all of the discovery that they need to do around him is going to be delayed. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. You can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. A very happy Jason Fitz, because Woo-hoo! his aces last night got the huge win that propels them to the finals. This series was insane. Chelsea Gray, or as my friend Clint Connickin suggested, Chelsea Dagger as a nickname, <laughs> has been unstoppable. And you saw Brianna Stewart play her heart out, trying to give them another shot, trying to keep Sue Bird's career alive. And it wasn't enough. I think she had 42, Brianna Stewart. But every time she came out and hit one, Chelsea Gray was back. And this series, for those who didn't watch it, you missed out on insane basketball. And almost uh, over a million viewers uh, for that game three. Thankfully, a whole lot of people were watching 
because that was some damn good basketball. Yeah, I don't care whether we're talking about the W or we're talking about the NBA. That series was one of the best I've watched in a long time. And every yeah. single game felt like it was back and forth. I was never comfortable. I mentioned that even going into yesterday and last night was no different. Uh, what's interesting to me is that this is a Vegas team that I would argue has a lot of pressure because we've seen them be very successful. But Mark Davis didn't spend a lot of money on this team to get to the finals even. He spent the money to try and win a championship. And to watch them last night and throughout the course of this series, really, have to take the best from the best. When you've got legend status and you know what's on the line and you're on the court, you just you find another gear. And the number of times it felt like Vegas had to answer another gear being found was really stunning to me. The The opportunities they had to fold and didn't, I think I look at this Vegas team and say they come out of this particular series a lot tougher than I even knew they were, not physically but mentally through the process of what, what goes into a series like this when you're playing against the legends that they were playing with that played with that amount of fire and everything on the line. Yeah, I mean, that Storm team was stacked, especially very top-heavy. The very best players on that team are some of the best ever and so they took every single punch and gave it right back. And it made for a tremendous series to watch. But you look now, and one of the greats of all time, Sue Bird, finally done. Four-time WNBA champion, 13-time WNBA All-Star, five-time first-teamer, all-time assist leader, all-time leader in games played, greatest point guard of the game's history, and... 41 years old, she was out there still playing at an extremely high level, and it was very emotional, as you heard from her leaving the court last night. Um, it's sad. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> obviously, so thankful for 20 years here. I'm going to miss it so much. I'm not going anywhere, but I'm going to miss it. Um, I wish we could have uh, done a little bit more to get to the finals, but I'm so proud of this team this year. I'm so, so, so proud to be a member of the Seattle Storm. It has been my honor to play for this franchise, to play for these fans. Um, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, that chant is like making me tear up now. That is the greatest winner Seattle has ever seen. And I just was giving you WNBA. She has five gold medals in the Olympics. She has five EuroLeague championships. She's got two NCAA championships. She is a winner and always has been. And that city and that basketball franchise was basically built on Sue Bird. There's been other great players, but, man, that's going to be tough to replace. I, I want to chime in on the other side of this matchup in just a second. But to the point you just made, as strange as this sounds, I found myself at the end of the game Thankful that it ended in Seattle. Not not necessarily yes, that yes, it ended, yes. but that it ended in Seattle because that crowd gave her the ovation. I'm not sure any other crowd could have been uh, capable of giving. And the love between the player and the fans, vice versa, was was palpable. I, I'll say to the point that, that you make, and it's a smart one, that you know Sue really raised that, that franchise in so many ways. Uh, I, I found an experience today talking to ESPN 1100. I talked to the ESPN Vegas uh, guys every week. And this morning I was talking to their morning show, and we spent the majority of the time talking about the Aces. And it's really incredible for all of the conversation that's happening in the WNBA right now. There's never been a professional championship in the city of Las Vegas, and that's something that the Aces understand. They have an opportunity 
to try and deliver to the city. The city is absolutely becoming enamored with the team, and it, this is the sort of connection. A championship does something different. It hits different. We've seen the crowds. We've seen the playoff energy. We've seen the Aces energy, but it feels like Vegas and the Aces are connecting in a way I never would have expected because there are stars on this team. There are stars behind the bench. There's money being poured into the team. There's an investment, and through all of it, they are playing dynamic, exciting basketball, and they're having fun doing it. Like It feels like a generation of Aces fans that will be diehards being made out of this run, so I'm, I'm really happy and proud of the Vegas Aces for what it's accomplishing for the W and the city. Yeah, and I think you can look across a lot of spaces and find the conversations about women's basketball in the WNBA um, becoming so much more commonplace, which is what's necessary. It can't just be when someone breaks a record or when the team wins it all, we talk about them briefly and move on. There need to be debates. There need to be questions about who's starting and who's coaching and who's doing what. And, you know, Becky Hammond doing what she's doing in her first year is huge. Asia Wilson winning MVP for a second time. That was the announced today. Just the seventh player in history to win MVP honors more than once, doing it at such a young age, looking at the career she could have moving forward. That's huge. Sue Bird. Here in Chicago, the sky winning last year means that all the dudes on ESPN 1000 that used to kind of laugh or, or joke about the WNBA in a negative way now mention it in the natural course of conversation when talking about the city's teams and even go to some of the games. It's just, it's a big thing. And when you get series like the one we saw last night and you see the millions of people watching, uh, it's good to see, but man, we're going to have Sue Bird on sometime in the next couple of weeks and talk about it. Cause she's going to be very missed and I'm crying inside. ESPN radio is presented by progressive insurance. Your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive commercial insurance keeps your policy within reach with their easy to use mobile app. Mobile app is what I said. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. I'm Vaklempt. Let's walk amongst yourselves. Uh, one former NFL coach thinks it's a bad idea to make Tom Brady angry. We'll tell you whether we agree with Good Take, Hot Take next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. At Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. That's how you hang out with us. In the meantime, I'm just, you know, I was driving around this morning, listening to the morning show, and I heard something that made me so fired up, I realized we got to bring back. We haven't done it in a second. We haven't been together. Sarah, it is time to bring back Good Take, Hot Take. Woo! Time to cut through the BS and rate the best takes of the day. Are they good takes? He would be the best quarterback in the history of New York to land here. Or hot takes. Hot takes. Give the damn ball and let him decide. But that's not the Green Bay way. Find out now on Spain and Fitz. All right, so this is where we, you know, throw some of our, our you know, co-workers under the bus. Probably. Maybe. But we'll get you some of the best takes or worst. Let's see how it plays out. We start, Sarah, with Charlie Weiss, former Patriots offensive coordinator, knows a little bit about Super Bowls, won four of them. He was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, and they asked him about the Brady conversation that's happening and all of the doubt that's hitting Brady. This is what Charlie Weiss had to say. I'd bet on them to win the Super Bowl. That's what the feeling I get. Because when you piss Tommy off, you're pissing the wrong guy off. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's played it that way since he was at Michigan. Every negative thing that anyone could say, he uses it as fodder. So I think that Tampa, you should expect a lot of good things coming out of Tampa. Sarah, is that a good take or a hot take? Context-free, it is a good take. 
Tom Brady is a guy who we have seen at every turn defy the doubters, dunk on the haters, including Father Time. The one the one person that he's rarely dunked on. Tom Brady has pulled it off. But in this case, with the context, I think it's kind of a hot take, and here's why. The questions around Brady right now are not haters and doubters questioning his ability to run it out one more time and and win again. It's questions about the personal life issues that caused him to leave camp, that have caused him to be a little bit uh, more honest than we've ever heard him about balancing life and football, that have reminded us that he might be human. And even Tom Brady might need to spend a lot of emotional effort and time on whether his marriage is having issues or he's worried about spending time with his kids or whatever it is that's going on. And I don't think that's as simple as don't make him angry. I think that's a much more complicated issue that very well might have an effect on his ability to be as great as he's always been. Yeah, I I agree with you, actually, because I I think this is a hot take. And you're right that in theory, so much of the concept around Brady is, you know, don't make him angry like he's the Hulk. And and even as my buddy Jared Stillman pointed out on 1025 The Game in Nashville earlier today when I was talking to him, he pointed out, hey, when Brady's mom was sick, it was very quiet. And he turned around and had, you know, the best season that he'd had. He had an incredible year. There's a difference between dealing with something like that where you're compartmentalizing, distracting by sitting in a room and trying to make sure that you're focused only on football so you don't have to think about the other stuff. If there's something going on, and I don't want to speculate on a man's marriage or his family or any of the other things that the tabloids are, are, are speculating on. But if there's something going on on a personal level like that, you start thinking about the little things that make Tom Brady tick, and you start thinking about even sleep, things like that. Like, all of a sudden, his mind races because he's got, you know, not just a wife but kids and all of these other right. things. So without knowing what's going on— And Fitz, there's a personal feeling of potentially guilt or shame there versus when someone is sick, you're very upset, but that's not on you. Right, a thousand percent. So I think we can't necessarily say, well, this is the past and it means anything for this. Tom Brady's right. He's 45 and life is complicated, but that little distraction can be enough when you're Tom Brady to keep you from being the best that you can be. So I don't think it feeds his motivation. All right, let's go to the next piece of sound. And this came this morning and I swear to God, I was yelling at the top of my lungs at one Keyshawn Johnson, the host of Keyshawn J. Will and Max. He's one of the three brilliant minds that you hear on ESPN Radio every morning. So usually I wouldn't say this, but this morning Keyshawn lost his damn mind. I'm not even going to wait to tell you that. This is what he said. <laughs> I would say that he is going to take over from Marcus Mariota. They drafted him to be the star quarterback uh, of the Atlanta Falcons moving forward. Now, mind you, they took him, took him in the second round. He was not a first-rounder. He was a second-rounder. And they didn't draft another quarterback high. They draft, They signed Marcus Mariota in free agency. But that's more of a bridge situation. And I think Desmond Ritter is going to give him a run for his money. And midway through the season, he takes over. Uh, this is – and obviously he was talking about quarterbacks that weren't going to make it through the season. So he picked Mariota as one of those. Keyshawn, this is the hottest of hot takes of all time. <laughs> and, and there's a couple of reasons why. Number one – Desmond Ritter wasn't selected in the second round. Sorry, Key. 
He was selected in the third round. He was, a, I think, the 10th overall pick in the third round. In a year where there wasn't much that was known at quarterback, they waited all the way until the third round, and they were like, well, damn, he's a pretty good value now. Like, there's a difference between we got our guy, we know we need a quarterback. If you believe, if you truly believe that the franchise quarterback is sitting out there for you, you don't wait and let every team pick not once but twice, and some teams get a third one off the board before you take him. Desmond Ritter was a good value and a what-the-hell, might-as-well-take-a-shot pick. He wasn't a future quarterback pick. So there's no reason to think, barring injury, that Marcus Mariota won't start throughout the entire year. And I, I, I am doubling down on that all day. This is one of Key's worst takes. Okay, I'm not as aggressive as you are in your hatred of this take. <laughs> I do think it's a hot take, though, for a number of reasons. One, I think you're absolutely right. He's a later round pick that isn't destined to be the future of this team. If it pans out, awesome, you got a steal. But they didn't take him thinking for sure, we're just prepping to make that flip to have him be our guy and our franchise quarterback for years to come. So that's part of it. Also, no matter how much the media has pushed for Desmond Ritter, Arthur Smith has shot them down over and over again, including very aggressively. So Jeff Schultz of The Athletic um, asked, you know, what about what about playing week one? How many games does he need to play in the preseason for you to get an accurate assessment? And Arthur Smith's answer was, I'm not answering hypothetical fantasy football and that kind of BS, Jeff. And then, <laughs> no, I'm just asking you a question. Before you make a decision on quarterback next year, you're going to want to know what you have in Desmond Ritter, right? We want to know what we have in Marcus Mariota. So if you want to make this about 23, and you can ask every which way, we're focused on week one. We're not going to go near some hypothetical. So, like, he's not even giving you fake answers to the questions. He is just saying flat out, don't even ask. It's not happening. And for that reason alone, I think we have some time before we're ever going to see Ritter barring injury. We don't have time to get the last one in here. So I'm just going to say, uh, stacking on top of what you just said, uh, I, I did a, a little writing for one of our chalk pieces uh, on NFL player props this season to, to what to expect. And they asked what quarterback number we all really liked out there. And I looked at the Vegas odds and they had Marcus Mariota. It was, I think, about 2,050 yards passing. I called my guy Harry Douglas. And I've known Harry for a long time. Harry knows that organization so well. And I said, Harry, tell me what I don't know. Like, is Marcus Mariota not going to start this year? And this was a month and a half ago. Harry said, without question. He's talked to everybody in that organization. Marcus Mariota is clearly the starting quarterback. Mm -hmm. No matter what any of us might think on the outside looking in about how infatuated we are with young quarterbacks, quarterbacks getting opportunity that is not going to be the case and guess what that might be best case for the Falcons let the young guy figure out yeah. who he needs to be how to develop into the quarterback and then figure out what you've got all right we've seen many athletes wrap up their careers this year it's time for a therapy session we'll be joined by someone who can help us do that next Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio Spain and Fitz the podcast it's Spain and Fitz Sarah Spain Jason Fitz CSPN Radio ESPN app Sirius XM Channel 80 ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle RV boat ATV and more all your protection in one place bundle and save at progressive.com Let's bring in our friend Kate Fagan of Meadowlark Media today will be both friend and therapist because, Kate, we are not okay over here. I know that things have to end, especially sports careers. But 
I don't know. I talked to Sue Bird a couple years ago, and I thought we had an agreement that she was just never <laughs> going to stop playing basketball. And when it's Allison Felix, Serena Williams, Sylvia Fowles, and then Sue Bird, that's just too many. What are we? What are we supposed to be doing with ourselves right now? I know, Sarah. At, at, well, and, and as well, I know you feel the same way. <laughs> it's it's a tough week. It's been a tough few weeks. The way the way I'm I'm looking at it, and I'm I'm sure Sarah, this will resonate with you. Is like there's a lot of gratitude wrapped up in this mm. moment because obviously all of all of those athletes you mentioned are female athletes, and so I'm trying to look at it like finally we have reached this point. If you're looking at like in Sue Bird's case, because basketball happens to be the sport that I hold dear to my heart. Like this is our first opportunity to have had little girls see Sue Bird play in 2003. And now it's possible that like now they are early thirties and and they could have a kid of their own. This is the kind of like generational fandom that sports is built upon. And so when you start with that, that like nostalgia and the storytelling that can only come from time. And these four women gave us so many incredible memories. I mean, can we count the gold medals? I don't know. What is our tally? Sylvia right. has four, Felix <laughs> has, you know, 11 total medals. I mean, the, the, the nostalgia and the storytelling and the moments like that we can be in a place right now where we can talk about the lineage that they have created it, that's where that's where I'm trying to keep my my mind focused and not allowing myself to just watch Sue Bird crying on the climate pledge court. So, which I think is interesting, Kate. Only not crying, but obviously the the legacy you're talking about. <laughs> what I think is interesting is we've talked before about the responsibility that so many women athletes feel. So, when you're trying to figure out the bridge for the next generation. What's better in this situation for these legends we're talking about to remain sort of part of our consciousness around the sports that they've been involved in or for them to gracefully step away while the next generation rises and fills those roles? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because like we were, you know, I I do a show with Howard Bryant, also a, a, a colleague of yours, and he made this really astute point today just talking about we have this phrase like passing the torch and it's sort of an empty phrase because it implies that the person passing it is almost like a a king in that they get to choose their heir. And that's just not the way sports works, right? Like you get, and oftentimes, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the women were talking about, like they announced their retirement, but sports has a way of just knocking you off the stage Mm -hmm. and you don't get to pick who fills your shoes. Right. We, we can we all in the media we can like have a great storyline that we think will work oh it'll be Naomi Osaka you know replacing Serena but those things don't always work out and so I think you know, to your question uh, Fitz it's like yes of of course we we want to say that like these women should stay close to the game but I think all of them know in their hearts like all of I don't know if they know but I, my opinion is that. Like they've they've done all of that work and they can't control what this next iteration of tennis talent and basketball talent is going to bring to the table. And that's just like the painful nature of sports. Kate Fagan of Metal Arc Media is with us. You can follow her at Kate Fagan three couple things. One uh, in watching the title nine films that ESPNW did this year. I loved Gloria Steinem saying, I'm not passing a torch. I'm lighting yours. Cause mm-hmm. if we have 
more torches mm-hmm. and we each have a torch, then there's more light. So I love the idea of not having to wait till uh, your, your time is done to pass it along, but to light along the way. But also, I'm curious your take on superstars in women's sports, because in men's sports, we understand that for all the up and coming superstar NBA players, there is a difference between every one of them and say someone like LeBron. Like when LeBron is gone, it's going to be fascinating to see the NBA because he stands alone in a way that's it's like Jordan or maybe like Kobe. Um, in women's sports, sometimes there's a backlash to too much attention to any given athlete, particularly when they're white. And so with Sue Bird, so much of the love that went her way, people said, okay, also Sylvia Fowles or also you know, other players that are up and coming. And I fully understand that. I also think sometimes it feels like looking a gift horse in the mouth to see someone be transcendent and then not want to give them too much shine. And I wonder how you can reconcile and find lifting up and putting a spotlight on players that maybe aren't as naturally given that light, but also understanding that when there is someone that transcends, that's incredibly good for women's sports. Yeah. I mean, I I think... There's uh, there's a lot in that in in, in the question you just asked and, and the observation because it sometimes it seems simple like oh well Subert's getting more attention than Sylvia Fowles and Subert has five Olympic gold medals Sylvia has four this is kind of negligible but then you kind of dig deeper and you're like well what are these like hooks that we have found in the Subert story mm-hmm. that are different. And, like, this is – I don't think any of us are here to say whether this is good or bad about how the sports landscape works. But we happen to know so much more about Sue Bird because of – quite frankly, like, she's with Megan Rapinoe. Yeah. And that gave us all of We love a power couple. (laughs) Yes. I mean, like – And she's hilarious. And (laughs) – has this personality that we see a lot more of in, you know, between two birds and those things than we do with maybe Sylvia Fowles, right or wrong. Yes. Yes. And, and I think what, what we've, in this specific phenomena of the Sue Bird last two years, I mean, you've known Sue a little bit too over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. And she was that magnetic, but she had never really allowed herself to be that way consistently in front of the media. And yep. all of a sudden everybody's like, wow. Sue Bird, she's really cool, and that's part of the phenomena as well. But it's like, overall, just, I remember when you said when we were working together and Ronda Rousey was, like, huge. And Mm. I guess we had the naive belief that whoever came next on the UFC MMA stage would would also be on the cover of magazines. And that kind of generational inheritance of of high-level female athletes, that's not always a given. Sometimes... A female athlete exits stage left, and like the, the gap closes up behind them. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm still in the place where I'm like, if we can get anybody talking about a female athlete at the level that we have talked about, specifically Serena and and Sue and Allison and Sylvia, to many degrees, but maybe not the same like kind of you know iconic magazine cover. That's a that's a really good place for us to be right now in 2022. Kate, with that being said, and given the understanding that all of the women you just uh, mentioned have about the necessity of having a voice in their platform, how involved in your mind does Sue Bird stay behind the scenes with the current WNBA generation in coaching and helping, not from the playing standpoint, but from the platform standpoint? I mean, I think 
both of what you've seen from Sue and Megan over the last couple of years, they, they have been preparing for post-retirement life and to make sure that the, the issues that they saw, and maybe hear them speaking, Sue specifically, the issues that they saw clearly in how the WNBA was marketed in its earlier years and, and also how it's a predominantly black league. And yet, like we just talked about, white players are still by far getting more of, of the coverage. And those are stories that I know that they have taken to heart and they want to change and tell. So I don't think, you know, if, if this is a therapy session, I don't think we are, we have seen even remotely the last of, of Sue Bird right now. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of her to come. And obviously Serena, the same thing. I mean, that was all around how she, how she left the game was like Serena Ventures. So, I, th- there is this moment, too, where the thing that male athletes have always been able to do, like Abby Wambach tells that story about how when she walked off the SB stage with Peyton Manning and, you know, I, I don't know if it was Kobe or Derek Jeter, and she's like, wow, yeah. I'm walking into a different future. Um, that, for, for these female athletes that we're talking about, like, they have that same kind of, like, high, pedis- high pedestal, high platform now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there could be some really amazing, incredible stuff done by Sue, particularly when Megan joins her in retirement and they just decide to run for president, uh, you know, Bird Rapino. Right. No, would they be president, vice president or be like a co-president? Just a co. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe they would just like do uh, rock, paper, scissors for the first term and then flip for the second. Uh, when, when they perfect. get re- yeah. Hey, Kate, appreciate that your therapy session uh, resulted in ultimately telling us don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. And I appreciate that because <laughs> it's actually working. I do feel better. Hey, thanks for the time, Kate. Always appreciate it. You're the best, Kate. Thanks so much. Thanks, y'all. I do feel a little better. Yeah, I mean, a little, little, little bit. A little bit. Uh, I'm not going to feel better after this next segment, though, because we're going to dive into the mud of the NFC East. It's coming up next. (laughs) Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. I have no idea, Chris, what song this is. Like, I usually like trying to figure out what what we're doing. It's Tay-Tay. This, is that Tay-Tay? It's Taylor it's Swift, but I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in you right now, Fitz. And that, it's, a, you know, we're going to talk about some... some. We will talk about the Giants a little bit, but yeah, the real yeah. reason I'm doing this, Fitz, is who were you talking about pre-show? <sighs> I, I don't know who Ryan was Ryan Tedder. Oh, I, oh, did Ryan Tedder so write this, every too? Every song that I have brought in so wow. far now has been a right. written by Ryan Tedder. I followed that Look thread in the beginning. I three more on the I, way, by the way. I followed that thread, but I got a little lost on this one. I, I, and Michael Jr. would be ashamed by my lack no of Tay Tay knowledge. So, Jeez, uh, Taylor, I, I apologize and to Go all the Swifties out the there. Bucks, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Swifties don't at me. Please, God. I don't need that in my life. Uh, what I do need is an NFC East preview. We're, we're breaking down a couple of divisions a day. That's what we're doing as we get you ready. Obviously, everybody well aware of the fact uh, that this is Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, and also we're well aware of the fact that we've got the kickoff of the NFL season tomorrow night. Now, the NFC East is particularly interesting, Sarah, because we've spent most of the summer thinking that the Cowboys are the favorite, and Vegas, Vegas has agreed. Now, I... I'm long since on the train that I think the Eagles are going to win the division, not the Cowboys. So I feel like maybe, you know, I, I felt like I was standing on Cool Kid Island until I realized suddenly 
That's what everybody thinks. Uh, the Eagles have now moved island, in and man. become the right. Like I had this tiny little island, and like it was just me and my speedo hanging out in the island. <laughs> and there was no like I didn't have to worry about the charcuterie like sharing. I was good on my personal private island. <laughs> now it turns out that I've got a bunch of other people in in speedo with me on the island because that's how I imagine we all hang I don't know out. If I'm eating charcuterie in a speedo. Oh yeah, no, it's sweat cuterie too. Like because it's like <laughs> it's weird. Like it's hot yeah. outside, and like the the, the cheese the has like has a little. Film on it. Yeah, you, you're wiping it off and you're smelling it to figure out oh, if it's no. safe or not, but then you're still <laughs> down in it because it's meat and cheese and you don't have any self-control. You can tell I'm on a diet. Uh, all right, so uh, according to Vegas, the odds have changed. May the odds be ever in your favor. The Eagles are now the favorite, according to Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, the Eagles at one, the Cowboys at two, the Commanders at three, and the Giants all the way back in four. So it raises a question of, why? Doug Gazarian, Daily Wager, broke it down for us on why the Eagles are now the betting NFC East favorites. This is what Doug said. The question is, why now? Why did the Eagles, just days before the regular season begins, become the NFC East betting favorites when the Cowboys had that distinction all summer? The answer is simple. Caesars took a wager from a very respected better and thus adjusted its odds accordingly. But another bookmaker told me he's seen steady Philly backing for a while from both sophisticated and unsophisticated betters. Hmm. I'm a little I'm surprised. fascinated to hear that one better, regardless of how respected they are, could flip the switch that way. I mean, I think it's probably a combination of that. And, I mean, there's plenty of reasons to have some doubts in the Cowboys, but Tyron Smith, potentially, that injury, when they already had question marks on the offensive line, maybe that's the final little the nail in the coffin for those who who were thinking that the Cowboys were better. I can't imagine it's just the one big better. I mean, unless the big better is uh, like the, we're going to just say it here, right? It's got to be Doug, right? Like Doug's yeah. got to be the big or, better. Or, or maybe Jerry Jones. Like, oh, that's fair too. Jerry Jones is going in <laughs> he's and he's like, like, I'm out on the Cowboys. He's like, I need to create some disrespect for my locker yeah. room. So I'm going to place that money there. And we're going to run the football. You, I like that Eagles roster. You know what we're going to do? We're going to run the football. <laughs> Uh, These are terrible Jerry impressions. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Both uh, of us really just <laughs> yeah. swinging a miss. We all know that I'm not good at that. Uh, <laughs> here's here's the thing. I, I look at certain weaknesses, and then I struggle because the, you're right. The Cowboys have a massive weakness on the offensive line right now, and I think that's a huge problem. I could say the same. Like, the insert team here has a massive weakness on the offensive line, and it's going to be a huge problem. Like, th- there are so many teams this year that we are presuming are playoff caliber football teams that have just – junk offensive lines that mm-hmm. like I, I can't sit here and say it holds the Cowboys back but then not turn around and say it holds I don't know the Buccaneers back for example so it, it's tough I think there's yeah I mean it's hard too because some of them there's proof of concept like we saw Joe Burrow have tremendous success despite a crap offensive line you know so some of them you could say okay I believe that even the small adjustments that they've made will be really helpful I think for the Cowboys it's not just the offensive line it's that that could be an issue and then you look at how pass-happy this team was, and their wide receivers are worse, right? What's Michael Gallup going to look like? Um, you've got Noah Brown and and Tolbert who are going to be in action right away because you've got a couple guys that are injured. This is a team that just didn't spend in the ways that everyone expected in this offseason, and if their defense takes a step back as expected, they always say, Teams that have kind of mind-boggling numbers in terms of takeaways, it's going to regress. Last year, 34 takeaways, nine return touchdowns. That's not going to happen. 
They their difference in defensive DVOA last year. So they were number one in defensive DVOA last year. The difference between them and the number two team was bigger than the difference between the Cardinals at two and the Bengals at twelve. They are just not going to be as dominant as they were last year defensively, just because of the way we tend to see regression there. So you've got all those question marks, and then for some reason they just didn't spend to fix those questions. The only teams spending less than them this year are the Bears, (laughs) the Falcons, and the Giants. I mean... That that's a wild stat, Sarah. And I get Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz. I keep thinking about the expectations Cowboys have, but then for the Eagles, they spent and they I think they just nailed the draft this year. Yeah. I'm so much higher on the Eagles, and I realize there's a big old question mark around Jalen Hurts, but at some right. point, Jalen Hurts, I don't think has to be great. I just think he has to be pretty good. And if he's pretty good, the Eagles win this division. Like, they're not asking Jalen Hurts to be Aaron Rodgers here. They're not asking Jalen Hurts to be Patrick Mahomes. They're just asking Jalen Hurts to be on the right side of the mountain to suck. Like, as long as he's, uh, you know, in, in the category of like, hey, he didn't hurt us and cost us games. I think he's good enough to win it. It's the Washington Commanders that I think are interesting in this division because their defense, obviously their pass rush has a a lot of talent to it. Uh, Their offense last year was held back at the quarterback position. So it becomes like the 82nd time we're having a Carson Wentz conversation. Like if Carson Wentz can turn it around, the Commanders can be great, right? Like I don't know that I'll say that, but at least this is his last chance in my mind to, to be able to show he can play. If he plays pretty well, the Commanders are a better football team than they get credit for. Like I think... The Giants are the only dumpster fire in this division. Yeah, Sorry, the Devin. Giants are uh, going to be a disaster, yeah. um, and we kind of expect that. Washington could be okay. Uh, I don't I don't believe in Carson Wentz enough to be great, but better. Um, this team, so here's your stat on Washington. The last time they had a nine-win over-under before a season was 2006. Oh, my God. That oh is a God. long time ago. Nine wins, not 10 or 11 or 12 or something. Nine wins the last time the over-under preseason was 2006. So um, I am going with Vegas. My picks for this are Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders, Giants. I agree with you. Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders, Giants. Do you think the Cowboys are a playoff team? I, I, like, I'm still no. thinking that the Cowboys are on the – no. Wow. Okay. I have not – I have not, on to be completely honest with you, I haven't broken down who I've got for my wild cards yet, so I guess I shouldn't say it that definitively. No, but I, I, but I am that. not hot on the Cowboys this year. That I, is, I do not feel good about the Cowboys. That's interesting because I'm, I'm with. I don't feel good about the Cowboys winning the division. The question is, if the wheels fall off in their wild card team, do they fall all the way off and this thing implodes, or do they just sort of tread water and get their way into the playoffs? We'll we'll get our wild card picks later in uh, the week, obviously, as we get you caught up and ready for the season. In the meantime, the Zach Wilson return from injury timeline has been very confusing. We'll try to get to the bottom of it next. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.